0: Welcome tonight, as uh, Celia has astutely observed, I'm not Brother Randy. And I amen that, I'm thankful for that this evening. Um, That's funny. Okay. All right. No, uh, Brother Randy is spending some time with our students this evening, so I get the privilege of filling in for him tonight. we have two handouts there's a prayer list and a chart does anybody does anybody need either one of them the prayer list or the worldview chart okay all right well the game plan tonight is we will study for about 30 minutes then about 6:30, we will stop no matter how far we get, that's okay, um, and we'll stop and we'll do our prayer list, and then about 645 we have a little uh, business matter to take care of. We had a, uh, sent out a call yesterday for a short called meeting for messengers to the McMinn-Megs Association. The date slipped up on us, and this is the only opportunity we're really going to have to do that. So we'll, uh, we'll begin, and if you'll turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to be reading verses 13 through 17. It says, Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated. But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy. Ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who disparage you, your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Last week, uh, Brother Randy... uh, talked to you about apologetics. And he kind of gave an overview of what is apologetics. And if you'll recall, he said that word uh, that we have here in verse 15, uh, to give a defense, that's the Greek word apologia, where we get apologetics. It's not that we're sorry for our faith, that we owe anyone a quote apology, but it's a defense. It's like if you were in the courtroom and you wanted Perry Mason or Ben Matlock on your side, this is the defense of your case. So really if you say to someone, I owe you an apology, what you're really saying is I owe you an explanation for what I've done. Not really so much saying, I'm sorry, we've kind of taken that out of out of context. But it's a it's a defense for the faith and so where last week he went into what is apologetics, Tonight, I want to look at why should we study apologetics. And the reason is not everybody believes like we do. There are many different worldviews. And this chart that I've handed out tonight, we we probably won't go in detail over the whole thing. It is by no means exhaustive. It's just a good overview of each of the major worldviews. And we'll kind of look at some of these and see uh, basically what we're up against. And what I have found oftentimes is those who are not Christians, when you're talking to them and they don't believe in God or they believe in this thing or that thing, this Eastern way, they are better prepared to defend what they believe than what we are to defend what we believe. And it's it's really sad that's, that we a lot of times as Christians can't articulate what uh, Paul or Peter says here as a defense for the hope that is within us. We have the hope within us but then we have trouble defending it. And it's also good to going into verse 16, that we do it with gentleness and respect, we don't want to get in an argument. We want to very calmly, you know, say, this is what we believe and use Scripture. We need evidence to go with it sometimes to break the ice, but then Scripture becomes our main main defense in all things, apologetic. So what we're going to look at, we have... Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. We have eight different worldviews and we're gonna ask seven questions of each one. Uh, the questions are gonna be, what is prime reality, the really real? So what that is is according to this worldview, what is real, what, what's real? And that reminds me, Does any, can anybody define for me what a worldview is? It's real simple. It's how you view the world. It's how you view the world. So if we are viewing the world through a biblical worldview, that means that we are using the Bible by which we see everything in the world, interpret what's happening. That's like when we see things that are happening that remind us of end times prophecies then we look at that and know that this is a potential sign of the time. Now, if I look through my glasses, I can see pretty clearly everyone that's in here. But if I take off my biblical worldview, things in the world around me aren't quite as clear. Um, I won't say you all look better this way. That wouldn't be very nice. But it does cause my view of the world to be Fuzzy. So that's why we need a good biblical worldview. So we're going to ask what is really real? What is the nature of external reality? That is the world around us. That's everything that's not us. That's everything around us. Then, what is a human being? Why is it possible to know anything at all? What is the meaning of human history? what happens to a person at death, and how do we know what is right and wrong? So let's start with Christian theism, which I hope every one of us in here subscribes to this worldview. This is our basis for comparing the rest of them. This is biblical Christianity, and it's uh, theism because it we, we're talking about the true God, the Trinity, so we are a theistic um, religion. So in Christian theism, we believe God is infinite, personal, triune, um, transcendent, and imminent, omniscient, sovereign, and good. And to describe God, we could just keep going on and on, but these are the basic tenets. Uh, The natural world around us, God created The cosmos ex nihilo, to operate with a uniformity of cause and effect in an open system. Now to say that he created ex nihilo, we read in the Bible in Genesis 1, in the beginning God created, before the beginning, before God created, there was God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and that was it. So in the building he created, or in the beginning he created out of nothing. It's just like I could go outside and take a water hose and uh, go on the playground and make a mud puddle. I can make a mud puddle. I could possibly even say, well, I can make water if I have the right mixture of hydrogen and oxygen. But I can't make hydrogen, I can't make oxygen, I can't even make the dirt that the water's poured into. I cannot create out of nothing. I have to use what is already available. When somebody says they've invented or created something, they've used what God has given them to put together something new that's usable. But he created out of nothing in a system of uniformity. Human beings are created in the image of God, thus uh, possess personality, self-transcendence, intelligence, morality, gregariousness, and creativity. By the way, Randy may have to reprogram y'all from some of these words next week. I don't even know what they all mean. They're just, they're here. But the most important thing here about a human being is that we are created in the image of God, that we are moral beings. Not that we look like Him, but we are in His image. Uh, Human beings know both Uh, the world around them and God himself because God has built it into them capacity to do so and because he takes an active role in communicating with them. Um, Have you ever thought who is the first person to ever look at a lobster and say, boy, I'd like to eat that or look at a mushroom and think, I bet that'd be good. I hope it's the right kind. One that won't poison me. Well, truthfully, God has told us since from our ancestors, Adam and Eve, what we could eat, what we couldn't. So we have knowledge from, from God because there's some things that we eat that are just, if you think about it, really weird and disgusting. Some of them's pretty good, but uh, you'd rather not think about where they come from. But he communicates with us. Uh, humans, uh, in human history, humans created Good, but through the fall uh, became defaced. Or, I'm sorry, let me back up. Humans were created good. They didn't create good. They were created good, but through the fall became defaced. Through the work of Christ, God redeemed humanity and began the process of restoration. Now, there's a little parentheses there that says may be rejected. Not that God would reject anyone, but this plan of restoration may be rejected by any human is what that is saying. This is the redemptive story. We see history as the redemptive story of mankind. And how do we know what's right and wrong? Um, ethics is transcendent. is based on the character of God is good, holy, and loving. He is the measure of right and wrong. We don't measure ourselves against each other. Uh, we measure ourselves against the standard that God sets before us. He is the ethical measuring stick that we go by. Now, when we get to deism, and something I I had forgotten and and was reminded of as I studied this, if you work your way across this chart, you're basically seeing a devolving of worldviews. Christian theism, people who reject total biblical Christianity, fall into deism. Then those who have trouble with deism fall into naturalism and so on. And we'll look at that more in a minute, but it's kind of a downward spiral. But in deism, God is transcendent. Not eminent, merely an architect, not a judge or lover of his creation. Have you ever heard the illustration of the clockmaker? The the deists believe that God is a clockmaker. He created the clock, he wound it up, and he stepped back from it and let the clock tick. He created everything, but he has no personal involvement in anything. So the external reality around us, the uniformity of cause and effect system where no alterations are possible. So if no alterations are possible and everything is fixed that leaves no room for miracles. So a true deist does not believe in miracles. Everything is fixed and is going according to a system. Human beings are personal but only part of the clockwork of creation with no relation to God. We're not by deism. We are not created in God's image. We are merely cogs in the machine. See how we're starting to slip already away. Uh, We create our knowledge from our station in life and the experiences that go along with it. Uh, Human history has no value. Past history is not really important except to reveal ethical principles. The past teaches um, from past experience what is ethical. What happens to a person at death? Whatever is built into nature. Uh, deists may or may not believe in an afterlife. It just depends on, there's there's two different schools of deism. It depends which one they're from. They There may be an afterlife, there may not be. Uh, knowing right and wrong, all that is, is right. Past history is not really important except to reveal ethical principles. What that is saying is since God wound the clock and stepped back from it and everything is in order based on that, they don't believe in the fall of humanity they believe that everything that is happening is normal so in our normalcy um, everything points to what is right. So when we we see you know just things in the world such as storms or um, you watch the Discovery Channel and there's always something eating something else. That's not how God intended the order when he created everything in Eden but since God has no uh, personal hand in it then everything that's happening is happening by that system that he put in place. I'm already having a hard time believing past Christian theism and we're just on the second one but people slip into this. I, I think I will too um you can put that in form of emotion. If we want to stick with Christianity, we will. Uh, but I, I think I will. Um, and the sad thing is, it gets worse. Um, deism denies the Trinity, the inspiration of the Bible, the deity of Christ, and supernatural redemption and salvation. So there we're completely away from the Bible already. Some famous deists that you may not be aware of, were uh, Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, and Thomas Paine. Some of our founding fathers of the country were deists. Now they had good ethics and morals, but as far as their biblical Christianity, it wasn't all there. Uh, All right, now I'm gonna try to hurry. I'm already uh, uh, further than I should be. Okay, deism. From deism, those that can't, um, can't handle deism, which is a, an attempt to... See, in, in Christianity, we accept the unexplainable as either miracles or acts of God or whatever. Deism tries to explain the unexplainable, but it fails in doing so. So then you slide down into naturalism, which says if we can't explain something... We just haven't found the answer yet. That means that still, it's based on knowledge. So, matter or the cosmos exists externally. Uh, That's all that there is and all that ever will be. A uniformity of cause and effect system more complicated than a clock in motion, but alterations are still not possible. Um, They still believe that God... um, Well, actually, they they don't believe that there's a God. It's just matter, but this system that's in place is more complicated than the clock. Human beings are complex machines composed of matter but not fully understood. Uh, They say that our personality is the result of an interrelation of chemical and physical properties. So basically, uh, who we are is because of what we're made out of. Yes. Right, and he, he very well could be. Um, sometimes these people have so many different thoughts, they don't really know what they believe. Um, and there are, like in, in deism, there's like I said, the two schools, there's warm deists and cold deists. I'm not sure the what their difference is. Then when you get into materialism, uh, you do have atheistic naturalists, and you have theistic naturalists. So it could be that he's an atheistic naturalist saying that, yes, everything's a big machine, everything has an explanation, we just don't know it yet, but there's not a God. Right, everything will eventually be explained um, is, what, is what the idea is. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, right here. Why is it in, why is it possible to know anything at all? Science gives understanding uh, to all. Uh, human history is a linear stream of events with no significant importance, shrouded in mystery. Everything's cause and effect, so that uh, butterfly in Japan flapping its wings is part of the wind that caused the hurricane in Florida the last week. You know, everything's cause and effect. Um, that sort of thing. When it comes to death, death is extinction. Matter is the organized and personality no longer exists. Remember, if our personality is that combination of chemical and physical properties, when we die, that all falls apart and we just cease to exist according to naturalism. Um, Values are man-made, related only to human beings. Any form of ethics originated in man's mind. We're already starting to see the creation of, um, if it feels good do it, or you can't tell me what's right or wrong, we're starting to see that at this point. So then for those that, um, oh, one more thing on naturalism. There are two ways to um, witness naturalism in action. One is secular humanism, which is, like a lot of what I said is people just kind of do what they want to based on nothing but their own feelings and Marxism. So if you ever wonder about Marxism this is the category it falls in. Again Marxism looks good on paper but in practice it's not um, not a good system. Then for those that have trouble with naturalism you slip into Nihilism. Nihilism. They say that, and without going through the column, that everything is nothingless, totally meaningless. Values are worthless. Nothing can be known or communicated, and there is a denial of everything. How would you like to wake up in the morning, and not know if the mirror you look into is really reflecting what you look like or if that mirror even exists at all. That's what it would be like to be a nihilist. There's nothing. We can know nothing. Um, I would say I've met a lot of those people in my life, but I don't think they were actually nihilists. I think they just knew nothing. Um, Frederick Nietzsche, if you're familiar with his name, He is credited as the founder of nihilism. Uh, He declared that God was dead in a writing he did in 1882. Uh, Shortly after that, in 1900, God declared that Nietzsche was dead. So he committed suicide in an asylum. Again, when you are filled with nothingness, what is it to take your life? Um, Ernest Hemingway, he was a nihilist. He committed suicide, ended his life. He was this nothing. Um, the writer of the, the book I pulled a lot of this information from, uh, James W. Sire, said nihilism is the natural child of naturalism. So it's, it's not a, where someone has rejected Christian theism or deism, it's where some, it's just a, natural progression, we keep progressing down. And that some naturalists will draw conclusions based on what they see in science to lead them into nihilism that there is uh, actually nothing. Then we come to existentialism. When Nihilism, or it may even be nihilism, however it's pronounced. You know, people saw that wasn't a good way. You know, people were depressed, committing suicide, whatever. So there was an attempt to solve the problem of naturalism that led to nihilism, and it's called existentialism. It was to, I guess, cheer up the the nihilists. I, I don't know. Uh, but it's another one that God doesn't exist. Cosmos is, is matter. Um, our existence is what we are. There's nothing more than that. Um, I, I thought this was a kind of odd. Death is, is the ultimate state of absurdity. Um, I would say there's a lot of folks right now that don't believe it's quite as absurd as they thought it was. It is in fact a very torturous um, ending, and they say you can't, um, that man must revolt against the objective world and create value for himself, so again, uh, you decide what's right and wrong. Well, strangely enough, existentialism didn't work, so then people started looking to Eastern religions and we get uh, pantheism. The main idea with pantheism is oneness. Uh, You can trace this back to um, the rejection of middle class values by the young generation of the 1960s. They said, well, what we've got's not working. What they've got in Eastern religion surely can't be worse than what we've already got. So we started seeing Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, the idea of karma and reincarnation. We still see a lot of that today. But everyone is a god. Uh, wh- your ultimate goal is to become one with the one. Um, you, in, in death, it's um, the end of the individual existence as you become one with everything else and um history runs in a cycle and that's where they get a lot of the reincarnation ideas everything just runs in a cycle well there were some that they didn't really want to lose their uh, western ideas completely for easternism so we get this way to come out of uh, nihilism called the new age now new age borrows from all the other major worldviews kind of puts it in a blender and it comes out new ageism uh, you create your own reality and you know I, some days i wish i could do that i would like to say well i reject your reality and i substitute my own it just doesn't work that way reality is what it is but the pantheists since they are each one, or I'm sorry, the new age group. Since each one is um, is the boss, the the self is the prime reality. Then um, they can um, control what's going on in their mind around them. Uh, if y'all remember Shirley MacLaine, she was the poster child for New Ageism. So she was really out there on this plane of having, she had out-of-body experiences supposedly and all these different weird things. And uh, so she was, she was kind of the front lady for New Age. And then finally, uh, from New Age, we come to postmodernism. And the best way that I can describe postmodernism is it is the death of truth. It is what we're living in today. It is where you create your own narrative that I may say two plus two is four, but if you believe two plus two is five, I can't tell you you're wrong. In your reality, in your narrative, it may be five. Um, everything is um, belongs to the storyteller. You see that under number four. The storyteller has power over others. Do we see that in the media? Again, not just not putting anyone down, but we watch the news and we're we're not given what happens and allowed to decide for ourselves how we feel about it. We're instead told, well, this is our take on what happened and this is what you should feel about it. This is postmodernism. ethics is a construct, social good, whatever society takes to be. We create criterion for what is good right now. Uh, what we see is good is that everything except Christianity, is good as long as you don't hurt anyone else. Um, By a lot of these um, uh, ideas based on if it's true to you it's it's okay. Well that's so absurd because and I've not got to use this analogy for a long time because I've not taught and Eddie's not been in here with me but I could go up to Eddie and hit him and steal his wallet and that for me, if, if I think that's right, that's right. But that's not right to him. So you already see the breakdown in this no absolute truthism or basically any ism out there. All right, well, we'll stop there. That actually worked pretty good. Is there any uh, questions or comments that I probably can't answer? It, right, yeah, it's. Um, it's probably whatever you decide. You know, I'm sure some believe you just cease to exist. Some believe that your good works are good enough to get you to a good place. But, you know, no sin or redemption. Yeah. Eddie? You. <laughs> it, if you can show your work how 2 plus 2 is 5, then you're, you're going to get credit for it. <laughs> Sad thing somebody somewhere has probably done it. All right. anybody else no. but you see the slippery slope how quickly after leaving Christianity that we slip down into where we see where we're at today and that is why and I believe unless, unless God leads Randy another way he's going to talk next week more about apologetics to different types of and whatever but I hope Through this study tonight, I hope you see why it's important that we know what we believe, we know how to defend it, because there are people out there, especially today, creating their own truth that are even more difficult than before to get through to with the truth of the gospel.